Welcome to Gospel Central, where we discuss topics that encourage Christians to live their lives in a way that's pleasing to God. And we specifically want to talk about how the good news of Jesus, his death and resurrection, is at the center of the faith and the power to help us live uh, ways, live lives in ways that honor and please him. So again, I'm Simon. We are following on today with the previous episode we did with Taryn, my wife, and Jacob, one of the pastors at RHC. I won't get them to introduce themselves to you again because they did that in the previous episode. And in our last episode, we were talking particularly about managing and navigating difficult families. We spoke about how the Bible actually doesn't give us a perfect example of the picture-perfect family because it actually doesn't exist in the Bible. Uh, Even all those families and people that loved and served God had brokenness in some form. That's part of what it means to live in a fallen world. But we did talk about some of the gospel hope that we have, that we don't have to just repeat uh, the cycles of difficulty and pain that we've experienced, but that through the reality of Jesus who's living in us, uh, we can hopefully begin to see God redeem our lives, though that won't be perfect. And Taryn last time spoke about a simple four-step process for thinking through relationships and difficult family relationships, which was firstly to consider God, to dwell on who He is, what He's like, what His character's like, what He's done for us, to then reflect on ourselves in a difficult situation. What's driving me? What are my motives? What's really making me frustrated? Not just what the presenting issue, but what's really going on in my heart. Thirdly, to consider the other person, uh, to give them the benefit of the doubt, to try and put ourselves in their shoes, imagine what life is like for them, gain a sense of empathy. And then finally, to actually, as Colossians says, to put on Christ, to think what does it mean now um, to actually walk in love toward this person? And not just a love defined by this world, but a love that's defined by Christ, um, who has loved us so magnificently. So what we want to do in this episode is just take some of these ideas and then begin to apply them more specifically to uh, extended family relationships that we may have, particularly thinking a little bit about parents. So let me maybe start uh, with you, Jacob. One of the thing, one of the dynamics that uh, young men and women often Um, experience as we grow up is that we move from a stage where our parents have been parenting us and raising us and helping us and growing us to a stage where we have become fully mature adults and often as they age we sometimes feel like we have to actually come alongside and encourage and help them in some of their own struggles this could be things like mediating conflict that our parents are having between each other maybe caring for our parents who are physically unwell, um, maybe even talking to them about some of the challenges in their own lives. And there's a sense in which, I know some people have spoken to us and said, there's a sense where you almost have to parent or care for or love your own parents. Um, and I think there's something understandable about that. We, in our middle age, are strong and uh, able physically to do some things that they aren't able to do. Uh, so would love to hear a little bit about how we think through these matters, particularly when they become challenging for us and our relationship with our parents is not strong. Let me just uh, say something about what Taryn um, highlighted to us, the four-step process. Um, she starts with God, right? Knowing God uh, and consider who He is, His attribute, how He loves us, also how He motivates us, how He empowers us to um, live according to His ways. And I think part of growing up growing older as persons and as Christians is that we began to see more and more that our parents are not like God. 
uh, we started out like assuming that they are the main authorities in our life they are our everything you have all these high expectation and as you grow older you begin to see their flaws you begin to see their inconsistencies mm. you see their sins and as they mm. grow older um, I think increasingly some of the weaknesses perhaps due to old age, perhaps due to like the wears and tears and disappointments in life, uh, which right. contribute to um, some of the issues that our parents could be facing, um, that can actually cause us to feel a sense of shock, maybe even grief, that the parents that we thought uh, we knew mm. uh, were actually like weaker and um, far less uh, glorious than what we imagined them mm. to be. So dealing with the loss and the sense of grief uh, is, is perhaps um, something that not many of us are self-aware that essentially we are feeling discouraged and disappointed so that that could be the first um, layer of emotions and then uh, also realizing that our parents may have parented us in ways that is like completely fallen short of what God's pattern are like. Wow Jacob so you're saying actually before we begin to engage and actually think how to navigate our relationship with them as we're older we actually have to reckon with ourselves having Mm. as Terence said reflected on God but then reflecting on ourselves too actually and realizing um, what the impact of their parenting has been on us and how that's affected and shaped us so do either of you maybe want to give examples of what this could look like to actually work through that or think through that Not, not necessarily from your own lives, but just what it could look like for a person who's kind of coming to terms with realizing um, that maybe their parents weren't quite what they had thought that they were growing up and mm. how they yeah, dealt with that with a sense of reality and honesty from a gospel point of view. I could go first, then Terry can chip in after me. Uh, let me just give an example of how uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very common disappointment, um, especially from uh, some of the um, you know Christian uh, families that I had the privilege to work with. Uh, Sometimes parents can, Christian parents can quote scripture as a way to motivate their children. And then when you go to passages in the Old Testament, like the Ten Commandments and that honor your parents commandment uh, is quite a popular one among parents right. to remind their children, especially when they are like walking out of line or if the parents want something from them, it's, it's a quick and easy verse to go to. Um, you know, and what it ends up... Uh, cultivating in the the kids life right, in, in our life is that the the motivation to love and to serve our parents is driven by a sense of like guilt uh, okay. it's a sense of like i've not been honoring enough and therefore my parents are calling me to honor them more or it could be driven by fear uh, a fear of like breaking commandments a fear of like doing something wrong and and that uh, while you can quote the scripture well and those are verses that exist in the bible um, the way we motivate our children can be void of uh, the power of the gospel Mm. which is essentially love acceptance uh, and modeling christ himself pointing to who christ is and what he has done for us Mm. Uh, and um, it's actually easier to point to some quick rules and guidelines in the bible to get our children to conform to them but it's actually far harder to get to their heart. So if you are conditioned that way, uh, it's going to bear fruits in your life later on in life to find it difficult to respond to your parents uh, in a way that is godly and loving because all mm. this while you could be driven by just a sense of fear or guilt and not genuine um, love. I think I want to pick up on something you said, Jacob, about honoring your parents. And I've been thinking about that because I think you're right to say that's a a phrase that gets used, thrown around, um, even in non-Christian 
um, circles, there's an, mm. an understanding that we should respect and honor our parents. And I think that that's really key in when we think about how to engage with our parents. If I think about any parent wants their children to supersede themselves, right? Um, you want to raise children that get to where you are mm. as a human being and hopefully go beyond. Any parent would do that. Even broken parents would want that for their children. And the truth is, often for us as adult children, our parents actually are able to do that. They lead us to a place where we we are able to have what they have in terms of a certain level of maturity. And then often we we go beyond that. That's that's a positive thing. So my dad often encourages me, and he says, "I want you to be beyond where I'm I'm at, Taryn. I don't want you to have the same mm-hmm. issues I have. I want you to to." overcome those and go beyond where I am and what a, what a wonderful gift and the problem is if we don't approach our parents as adults um, with a sense of humility yeah. recognizing that they're even in their brokenness they have brought us to a point mm. and we we may actually as a maturity may actually supersede them in some areas we can't now look at them um, and disdainfully say why aren't you where I am at Um, But if we approach our parents with a sense of humility first, recognizing I may actually see this differently to you, I may actually see this better than you, but I'm not coming to judge you and say, why didn't you get this right? I I can honor them in seeing that they brought me to a place where I am now that allowed me to go beyond where they are. And I think that that becomes really important in honoring your parents because then I can still see things differently. Mm. I can even speak into things and I think one of the things we're going to talk about now is what does it look like when you when you do feel more mature than your parents and you do understand things that your parents don't. Um, but I, I can still have a posture of heart that is humble and that honors them mm. in how I engage with them. I think that is such a brilliant point because mm that dynamic of feeling like as you grow older you could see something's different to your parents is an experience that most people would have at some point and the gospel perspective on that is to be grateful for what God's done with your parents to not take the position of pride but to really in humility consider one another um, to consider others more significant than yourselves and then to love them and so that framework that that um, perspective that you shared is so helpful in helping us yeah, still be able to deal with the reality of different views and perspectives that we may have, but not to allow those differences to create a sense of um, disdain or pride toward them, but really to cultivate actually a sense of gratitude and then be able to move toward them in love. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, posture of heart, I think, is everything when we think about where to start with engaging with our parents. And that's particularly hard, I think, what Jacob said is there's something about as you mature as a person <laughs> that you, you do start to, your, your parents, the, the bright light that they had when you were young kind of fades as you mm. mature and you look back and you're trying to make sense of your life, right? Particularly, I think, as you hit your late 20s, your early 30s, you start asking questions. Why am I like I am? Why am I struggling with this thing? And the natural answer, and, and certainly in, in secular psychology, tells you look back at your family of origin, right? And, and we instantly want to blame um, someone for our struggles and the most obvious target is our parents. So there's a natural sense that we look back at our parents and we see that we start to see their failings 
um, the way in which they have fallen short, which theologically we know is a certainty. Absolutely. So even I will, I'm damaging my children even today, I'm sure, in some ways, right? So there's a certainty about that. But how we then engage with our parents so that we don't write them off or cut them off or, or take other protective mechanisms for the hurt that they have caused us. Um, how do we, we move towards them and really embody Christ needs to be um, to be fueled by how we answer the question, why am I like I am? Why do I struggle like I, I do? And then find real help for that instead of blame shifting. I think that's what our human nature does. That's really good, and, and, and I guess that gets to the heart of the commandment, honoring our parents. So while that can be used as a quick way to guilt trip uh, our kids, uh, you know, and some of us experience that from our own parents, um, mm. I do think that the commandment is given to us with a clear purpose of demonstrating God's character, who He is to us. Uh, mm. It's a commandment to be taken seriously. It's a commandment that is uh, given with a promise as well of prosperity and long life um, and I think that also gives us a glimpse to who God is, how much He really values us loving and honoring our parents despite their imperfection. So Jacob, can I ask you a question then? Because our parents do have lots of imperfections and we often get to see their sin and, and experience the, the pain of their sin and maybe want to confront that. right? So I want to confront my, my, my parents. I want to say, hey, the way that you're behaving um, and maybe treating me or maybe even treating my mom or my dad um, is not okay but it feels difficult to speak up to your parents um, what wisdom would you say what wisdom would you give someone who, who wants to confront sin in a parent's life Taryn your, your four step model the second step talks about self right what's going on in my heart uh, and even acknowledging that uh, I am disappointed I do care for them deeply and I feel discouraged uh, and I want to challenge them and confront them. It's actually helpful for us to be self-aware uh, and seeing our flaws, seeing the flaws of our parents, sorry, is probably something that is um, more discouraging than seeing that in our friends uh, because mm. our parents, they are closer to us. We do have higher expectation of them uh, and it interestingly create a dynamic where as we feel more affected, we do want to quickly get to some kind of resolutions and I think that the desire to do that more directly and more quickly um, and, and also maybe because we do have more relational capital with them throughout the years uh, can sometimes make the confronting of the sin uh, become more brash become mm. uh, overly direct uh, we we want to address it and to do us is this is about faithfulness this is about pointing out their, their flaws <laughs> I'm pursuing justice and truth uh, but let me frame the question, would you have done that in the same way uh, to um, somebody in your CG? Would you have done that in the same way to uh, a friend who is going through some kind of um, struggle? And we realize that often we are slower with people outside of our family. Right. We tend to go in with a lot more compassion and patience with them. Uh, but when it's someone who matters more to us, I think the desire to see change happening in them and the desire to really see them flourishing and prospering can sometimes drive us uh, to ways that are actually not as wise as we should be. Um, so um, it can actually blind us from what would be the more appropriate and loving steps uh, mm. towards it. So I love your four steps because the next one goes into others, right? Putting ourselves in their shoes and then modeling Christ. 
I'll not get ahead of myself. I would love to hear from you as well on those. Sam, what do you think? Yeah. Have you had to speak? Like, or how would you encourage someone to speak to their parents? If they they see their parents, maybe maybe a marriage, their parents are in the middle of a divorce or there's real struggle in some in the family and a, an adult child wants to speak into that. Well, I think the last step that you spoke about embodying Christ um, and thinking about the way that he engages with us, particularly um, with his love, is how I'd really encourage people to think through that. And often when we do, often in situations like that where we can want to speak to parents, we can recognize that maybe actually our motivation is not truly love. Maybe it is, as mm. Jacob said, a sense of vindication, a sense of being self-righteous, a sense of making them wanting to see the pain that they've caused others and how they're now reaping what they've sown. Mm. Um, and actually, amazingly, Jesus doesn't treat us like that at all. Jesus only speaks to us not um, to be proven right, to look good, um, to win an argument. He actually only speaks to us for our good. And that means that he, the way he speaks to us, the way he approaches us, his patience in approaching us are all taken into account. And I think he, he only speaks to us when there's the highest chance that we actually are going to respond in many ways. So I think, again, your framework that we keep referring to is so helpful because we're considering God, we're considering ourselves. What's really driving this? Am I really wanting to speak because I love them and I'm trying to get a certain outcome, I'm trying to encourage them? And then what's the most effective way that I could do that for them? So would really encourage us to think through love from that point of view. Um, and just to recognize, you know, God actually doesn't just fire hose us with truth. Uh, we often say at RHC that God has so much dirt on us. He knows all of our sins. He could reveal that to us in an instant if he wanted. He could embarrass us if he just wanted to prove that he was right. But he actually incredibly patiently reveals our sins so slowly, tenderly, deals with one thing at a time and so yeah I would encourage us to really pray through what are we hoping to see is this the best way to share it with our parents will they be able to feel a sense of love from us as we share these things too and to really pray through those things I remember um, this is not entirely related but over the years many people have spoken to me about talking to their parents about baptism and I think the issue of baptism, particularly for someone who's in their 20s or a grown adult, does speak to similar issues where there's a sense in which if a parent does not want a child to be baptized, they're wrestling with what does it mean to honor their parents and yet knowing that they have to honor God above those parents. And at some level, I think the answer is that we do have to obey God, but the way that you can go about doing that with your parents um, needs to be in such an honoring way that even though they may not interpret your actions as truly honoring them, they have to be somewhat destabilized in their mind to recognize, even though you're so firm about baptism, you are demonstrating love for them in so many ways that they can't quite reconcile. And I think as we've encouraged people about baptism in the past, we've said, look, there is the, the, the possibility that in the short term, parents may not understand that and they actually may feel somewhat dishonored. But what you want to do is so is love them so well over a period of time, they'll come to see in time that actually you really are honoring them very, very well, even though you are honoring God above them. So these things are particularly complex, but those are some ways to possibly think about it. 
Jacob, you have spent a lot of time talking with people about their relationship with their parents. I want us to think a little bit about uh, responding um, to psychologically or maybe even physically abusive parents within an Asian cultural context. I think we've alluded already to this aspect of honoring our parents, and we know that with filial piety in Asia, um, that biblical understanding of honoring our parents is is really highly prized, sometimes Mm -hmm. even too prized. Uh, How have you tried to help people navigate those kinds of complex situations? I think when you use the word abusive, uh, and just the topic of abuse, um, that's a very complex thing that uh, probably deserves a podcast by itself. Uh, And what makes abuse so complex is uh, if it's often very hard to detect. It's often very, very difficult to um, tell is this just... um, some kind of uh, mild dysfunctionality that you, you can almost like uh, over a period of time hopefully love the person into some kind of uh, positive changes right. or is this uh, something that we can classify as uh, this is abuse this is abusive parenting mm. Uh, mm. this require me to uh, move out of my home so that I can be safe uh, that, you know, away from my parents right. uh, and, mm. and I think uh that whole process of really understanding what's going on and how uh, the person is affected, how uh, safety can be compromised, whether it's uh, physical safety uh, or um, even for, for some people it's, it's non-physical but it's just the sense of like I'm constantly feeling extremely lousy attack and I'm constantly feeling uh, anxious, uh, you know, being with uh, a, a parent who seems to be um, psychologically abusive towards me right. uh, you, you just have to really understand and pick up on some of those uh, flags and then from there um, think about how to wisely respond for some situation when the person's safety is really compromised where it really affects their daily functioning it affects their work it affects them being able to carry out um, the normal duties of life uh, I, I would recommend um, you know, moving out and having a clear boundary coming back to boundary right having a clear boundaries uh, between them and their parents obviously it's not going to be easy obviously uh, it could be a very complex process um, so I could be oversimplifying here without getting mm. into all the details mm. yeah I think on that it's ab- abuse is a very tricky topic it's, it's a very large word that encompasses so many things um, I think your your point about when it impacts your your own safety, when it impacts your daily functioning, I think those are times to come and speak to, come and speak to someone, mm-hmm. um, process it out, talk about it. It helps give you clarity about whether you should remove yourself from a situation, or whether you you can remain in that in a situation, um, and and know, and I guess be equipped and skilled to engage in that. The truth is, in some ways. There is, there is dysfunction because there is dysfunction in all of our lives and in all of our families. Um, it would be impossible to remove ourselves from a world that is broken. Um, so, a disclaimer is: if you're not sure, please talk to someone because there are situations where you should remove yourself. But I think sometimes, by and large, because it's difficult to deal with people, we I just say I don't have to deal with this, and I remove myself. And, and that ends up uh, destroying relationships instead of helping them. I, I love what Sa, you said earlier where you said, I need to figure out, is my motive love? 
Mm. And, and I think that really helps us understand how to engage um, with difficult parents. And I'm going to say difficult just so that I remove the abuse conversation from mm-hmm. this particular conversation. So um, this is not talking about abusive situations now, but just difficult <laughs> situations where if love is the motive, it, it changes the way in which I, I want to engage with my parents. And I think a biblical way for us to think about it, which often looks confusing is I think scripture shows us three ways in which we can engage with our parents or any type of conflict I guess there's we see yielding in scripture we see waiting in scripture and we see confronting Um, but that often when twisted when love is not the motive can look like appeasing ignoring sweeping things under the carpet or just trying to win and and the, new, the difference in those things is the underlying motive, mm. which is love. And it makes a really big difference. When am I yielding to, let's say, a parent that just wants their way? Mm. And when is it me just appeasing you? Because that's very different. One will actually um, empower my faith. I will be strengthened because I will see I'm yielding because I, I love you and I'm allowed to that's let right. you have a preference. Versus I'm just appeasing you because I'm people pleasing and I want your approval. Yet the action may look exactly the same at the end of the day. Um, So I think understanding our motive behind what we're doing becomes very important for whether we actually can access the resources of faith that we have to live out of that place or that behavior becomes driven by some other thing which ultimately ends up destroying us and that relationship even more Um, that's great that's really really wise Um, and I I love the fact that scripture itself gives us some of those categories and yet if we aren't aware of our motives we could think we're engaging in those whilst actually engaging in behavior that doesn't doesn't please God we don't have too much time left Um, I want to take the last five minutes or so to talk about two things firstly Jacob, maybe you can help some of our listeners who've experienced like very traumatic family events that still hurt just w- with some steps or things that they could consider to try and get healing. Uh, I've spoken to many people in our church who've had, for example, parents uh, who've threatened suicide um, when they were very small children uh, just as a way of trying to g- manipulate them to get them to behave in a certain way. And that kind of and those threats have just caused a very deep pain um, mm. and scarring inside of people. So uh, how how do we move on and and um, allow God to heal some of those hurts? Mm. Let, let me ask you that to start. Uh, there is a non-Christian book called "The Body Keeps Its Scar," uh, which I find to be uh, really really insightful. Um, basically, the thesis is this that uh, we often associate certain experience with certain emotions and whether we are aware or not some of those uh, are hidden in our memories uh, so, so our our brain our mind our body uh, they remember certain experiences uh, that were extremely impactful to us so for negative experience uh, that would be in the category of like trauma right um, and 
what we see in the patterns of soldiers who come out from come back from the battlefield from a war um, often uh, like even the sound of baby crying can get them into a state of panic if mm-hmm. they have been in situation where they have seen baby cries and baby being killed that triggers some of those um, memories uh, right. it's completely irrational but it's good to be aware that uh, this is who we are we are body soul and mm. spirit or the, the physical and the non-physical as well so um, some of those things that you mentioned if a child had experienced something really traumatic in their childhood uh, what the person may not realize is those those experiences are so deeply seated that all it takes is something similar for them to um, feel triggered uh, by a whole set of e- emotional uh, responses uh, that you know when you look at it objectively it doesn't seem to make sense uh, but it makes sense for them when you understand what they have been through mm. so even recognizing that is a really really good step to take that sense of self-awareness that I'm feeling this way because of this um, acknowledging that uh, the way towards recovery is always uh, not just in a through just one-to-one counseling one-to-one counseling can help you to be more self-aware you can have some um, technique to help you to cope better but I always believe that beyond that uh, a person need to have redemptive experience Mm. from the old experience that they had something that is redemptive mm. and that comes in the mundane and ordinary through um, community through feeling love mm. through feeling secure through feeling accepted for who they are uh, just that safe space for um, new experience that are redemptive uh, that wow. happen in their life um, and I do think that the church has a big part to play in that that's really beautiful um, that actually our ordinary interactions just living with one another as the church can end up being such a a fundamental part of someone's healing even from traumatic things in the mm. past yeah. and that's not to minimize those things but to show us it's just one of the many uh, means of grace that God gives us actually to show us that mm. maybe some of the narratives we've um, had in our minds because of past experiences can be destabilized just through ordinary loving community mm. so thanks for sharing final question for us today um, for those that are struggling to forgive parents and siblings um, what did you encourage them I had an interesting conversation this week with someone who asked that exact question. And they said often the scripture that gets told to them is you should be forgive because Christ has forgiven you, which is true. It is in the Bible. But what that is, when it's said just in that way, you you empty the the statement of the power that Christ gives us to forgive. And there is a sense that I think forgiving our parents forgiving our siblings it does start with us sitting before Christ and receiving forgiveness knowing ourselves knowing our own weakness but we don't just then okay now I'm dutifully supposed to forgive it's 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 that idea that we're again trying to fulfill a form without the power to forgive particularly some of these deep hurts and um, these things that have shaped and formed us in such significant ways that's not I can't just do that because I lightly um, think Christ forgave me because I was kind of bad because that won't help me I need I need the power of Christ to heal those hurts first um, to empower me then to move from a, a place of healing to a place of forgiveness and that actually it doesn't happen in a linear sense it happens um, hand in hand these things happen simultaneously that as I'm continually day by day receiving healing from Christ 
receiving forgiveness from Christ and being empowered by Christ that I can actually then forgive my parents. It's a hand-in-hand thing. But let us not be quick to just say, I forgive because I should forgive. It's something I really need an experiential empowering from Christ to do. Jacob, anything to add? I think that was a brilliant uh, way to talk about it, right? Like the power that we have in the gospel to help us to forgive, uh, whether it's our own family members, our parents, our siblings, our spouses, uh, or um, even our enemies, people who are out Mm. to get us. uh, The same gospel, when you apply it well and get to the heart, it it really does give us the power to Mm. love and to forgive. Uh, I find it so comforting um, to read in the Bible how uh, Jesus himself uh, just has so many difficult relationships uh, with people, um, including his own family, uh, his own hometown. He was rejected there. And I I can imagine the the pain um, as a human being to receive that and to experience that. And yet what we do see is a a man, a God-man, clear about who he is, responding to people full of mercy, full of grace, truth and love uh, mm. and I really think that provides for us a glimpse to uh, what the power of the gospel can give us in how we live our Christian life mm. wonderful Amen. well thank you so much for being here today to talk through uh, family we know that um, there's no magic fix that makes all family issues just disappear this side of eternity one day we will live before God where every tear will be wiped away for now, we have the unique privilege, though, of walking with Jesus, actually being like Him and loving our families and knowing that our families have to love us as well with all of our weaknesses um, and frailties too. But thank you for pointing us to Jesus and encouraging us um, in the light of His love to love our families well. Really appreciate Taryn and Jacob being with me today. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening to us. Bye. Bye. Bye.